When you start teaching yoga online with Zoom, there are so many questions you might have. Like, how do you share the link? What's the best camera? How do you record it? It can be totally overwhelming, right? But we are here to make life easier for you. And this episode totally delivers on this promise, my friend. I'm talking to Jeremy Devins from Quiet Mind Yoga, and he lines it all out for you in 10 steps, really everything you need to know to teach yoga online. Jeremy has been working in health and wellness since 2003. He is the creator of Quiet Mind Yoga, an online resource for classes, podcasts, and teacher trainings in all aspects of yoga, Ayurveda, and Vedic astrology. He's amazing, and I'm so grateful that I could have him on the show. This episode is full of tips you can put into action, so you want to take notes, but he also has a PDF resource for you that you can download, and you'll find the link in the show notes. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Susanne Reicher, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. So hi there, Jeremy. I'm so excited to have you here on the Blissful Biz podcast. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Yeah, this is exciting. So can you please introduce yourself to all my listeners who don't know you yet? Tell us about your journey and where did it lead you? So yeah, my name is Jeremy Devins. I've been teaching online since about 2012 or so. I did my certification in 2011. I started teaching and I right away wanted to start teaching online because I knew like that was essentially the future. And now here it is in the present where everyone has to be online all of a sudden. So I started doing stuff on random things on YouTube, random things on our website, but it really didn't come together until like 2016. And now that's Quiet Mind Yoga, where I have a weekly podcast. You can check out the Quiet Mind Yoga podcast, weekly classes. And then I also do the yoga teacher training podcast because I've run an online teacher training. And that podcast is for anybody who's in that sphere of like learning or studying or deepening their practice. Uh, so it's slowly grown over time. It took a long time. And now suddenly everybody's teaching online overnight. So I've been focusing on helping people improve their teaching online. So that's what I really want to talk about today. And what I'm going to share is 10 tools that you can use to improve your online teaching based on what I've learned. I love it. And I also love that you said that it's taken you a long time because, you know, like so many yoga teachers, they see others doing all those amazing things and they forgot that that's not how you started, right? So that's where you are right now, but everybody's on a different, um, different journey. So... You just have to get started yeah. somewhere. You can't compare yourself to someone who's been doing this for years and years and years. Definitely. And I always had this mantra in my head of don't compete, create. And you can compete with yourself and you can look at, okay, well, here I was, you know, a month ago. And what can I do this month that can improve? 
but if you look at me or other teachers who've been doing it for a while, and I do it too. Like I, you know, have to be careful what I look at on social media because I can compare myself to others. And, you know, there's just not, there's certain things that I can't do as well as other people and that's okay. Right. And we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And I think the more we focus on our strengths and what we can offer and just who we can help, like that's what really matters because there's people all over the world right now who are looking for something that only you can offer that will only resonate with them. So I think it's the more I focus on like, these are the things that I love about yoga and these are the things that I like sharing and practicing and just focus on sharing and practicing those and then the people who are looking for it will find it. So even if that's where you're at a total beginner where it's like you're, you're just doing your first online zoom ever and you've never done anything online. Uh, you have something to teach and you have a sort of energy that you've brought to your classes. And, right. So I think it's best to just focus on like, what can I create an offer and know that people are looking for that. And, you know, it might not be a huge group at first. They probably won't. And I've had many times where I've led a workshop that I thought was a great idea and nobody comes or let a, you know, I've had times where lots of people come. So it's really you know, just the main thing is just to keep going and to not let any sort of criticism or setbacks derail you or look at anybody else and think, oh, they're so far ahead. You know, I can never do that. It's like, in a way that's true because you'll never be them, but they'll also never be you. Just like in the uh, Bhagavad Gita, when it says, it's much better to fail in your own Dharma than it is to succeed in someone else's Dharma. I think that's the real key. (laughs) I love that. So is this already like one of your 10 tips or do you want to dive <laughs> right in there? This is probably like number one, right? <laughs> no, this, the, the tips are actually going to be very um, tangible, like practical things. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the philosophy behind how I think for sure. Yeah, I love that. I'm all about really having actionable content on this podcast that people can really use. So, And I love lists and systems and processes, so you speak my kind of language. Awesome. Great. Yeah, so um, let's start with number one. Okay, great. So there's a free download for this if you want to have the printout. If you're like, oh, I'm driving or I'm running around, like I can't remember all these Go to quietmind.yoga slash blissfulbiz, just like the podcast you're listening to, quietmind.yoga slash blissfulbiz, and there's a free PDF there called 10 Tools to Improve Your Online Teaching. It's just a download that goes right to the download, you'll get an email with that, and you'll receive my emails, but if you don't want to, just unsubscribe at any time, but if you want to see what I'm doing, you'll be in the loop with that. And I'll also add that link to the show notes. Yes, thank you. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. So number one in how to improve your online teaching is a question. So these are all going to be questions that I've received from teachers recently uh, about these things. So how to improve your overall online teaching, overall, just general, how to improve your teaching. The first thing I recommend is just focus on teaching one student really well. So Ideally, you have somebody who's kind of in the middle of experience. They're not like the most experienced, super flexible person. They're not a complete beginner where they're not sure what you're doing or what you're saying, but they're somewhere in the middle where they maybe practice for a year or two. So you can look at that student as sort of the average of your class. And maybe you've got like five, 10, 20 students in your class. You look for the one who's kind of the average who's on video. And, you know, maybe not everybody's going to be on video. Maybe you only have half of them. So as best you can, find the one student who's kind of the average student 
and just focus on teaching them because it's going to be more difficult on Zoom or on this sort of context where you just see one angle and maybe it's not the full body in the picture. Uh, so there's a lot of limitations, but just focus on one student. And if possible, ask all of your students to sort of frame themselves so you can see their full body or from the side angle. So not straight on at their face. Like if they were in down dog, you'd see them from the side instead of the back of their head. So that's number one is just focus on teaching one student. So like if you forget which left or right you're on or which pose you're on in a sequence, that it's going to be a lot easier to remember with looking at that one body and especially with Zoom, because you're getting all these different angles of bodies often if people can't do that side angle. So uh, just focusing on that one person helps you remember where you are, which side you're on, and which cues to give. And then peripherally, watch everybody else. Uh, but if you start to get a little overwhelmed or overstimulated, especially if you're new to this, go back to that one student and just keep teaching them as best you can. I love that. And I've never heard that tip before. I think it's a great tip. So thank you. Yeah, and I actually do that. I did that in public classes too, when especially doing like power or vinyasa classes where there's a lot of complex sequencing sometimes. Uh, it's easier to keep the sequence in my head when I just watch one person. Okay, this is great. So number one, watch one student, focus on one student so you don't get lost while you're teaching. Okay, yeah. what's number two? So the second question I often get is, how do I use music in Zoom classes? I get this one a lot, actually. And so there's a lot of ways you can do it. I actually rarely use music in classes. So this one was easy for me, just not an issue. But if you do use music, you can use on the Zoom app only on your computer or desktop. It doesn't work on uh, iPads or iOS or mobile devices. You can only do this on your uh desktop or computer, laptop, is going to share screen on Zoom and then click advanced, then click share computer audio only. And that will allow you to press play on your playlist and that will stream that music directly to your student's device. So they're just hearing the music. That's as clear and clean a signal as you can possibly get with this sort of format. Uh, so it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be the best audio, but it is the best possible with this scenario. Or the second option would be you create a playlist and you give your students a link to that playlist, possibly on Spotify or whatever you use. Uh, and they can play that from their own device at home while they listen to you. The main thing there is you want to make sure your students are all on mute, which I recommend in general anyway because there's, it's very easy for any rustling to kind of uh, compete with your voice. So mute all of your students while you're teaching, and then they can play their playlist at home on their speakers if they want to have the music. And then they just hear your voice from your their Zoom, and they hear music from another device. So that's how I recommend that. Yeah, I think that's also legally the safer option. Yes, definitely. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's great. And... Number two was how you play music. And what's number three? So how do you improve the general audio quality of your teaching? And the main thing I found to be helpful is to use Bluetooth headphones. I used Apple AirPods, which are a little pricey, but you can definitely get Bluetooth headphones that are cheaper and very similar quality. And specifically on Zoom, that's very easy to get the Bluetooth headphones. Um, if you're doing Facebook Live or other formats, it might be a little more tricky. 
Uh, I haven't done that myself, but especially if you're using a computer, you can definitely do that. So yeah, that's they don't work three. on the on the phone with a Facebook Live and with a native camera app, which is really really weird. The Apple right. Airport, yeah. So, but yeah, but on a computer or, or MacBook, they they work great. I heard from other yoga teachers who said they fall out of their ears, so that's why they mm. don't like using them. I think it depends on the style of yoga you're teaching, probably. Yeah. Right. I've, I've used the Apple AirPods for like four years or so whenever they came out, like three or four years ago. And I've only had them fall out once or twice when I actually push my finger against the, the headphone. So mm -hmm. I find them to, to be very good at staying in my ears, but everyone's ears are different. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you find ones that will stay in if you're going to do that. Do you have any other tips besides the Apple Air, um, the AirPods? audio so uh just in general for like the audio in that case that's what i found to be helpful and i will say something about using a microphone if you're going to record your classes i'll say that that's number uh 10 we'll get to but yeah is there anything that i'm missing that you're th thinking of that you found i'm sorry is there anything that i'm missing that you're thinking of that you found helpful um. for audio no just like don't use the probably don't use the normal just the computer audio <laughs> oh audio. yes yeah that's you know i i don't recommend that but if you're in a quiet space and that's the only option you have for now that's fine but you can find like bluetooth headphones for like 30 bucks but i don't know you know the quality might not be quite as good but it might be better then no no headphones um and if, the thing is if you're like across the room like maybe five six feet from your computer and you're teaching uh, it's going to pick up a lot of background noise and especially during like shavasana or quieter times in class it's you're gonna have to kind of yell you know when you want to be not yelling at your students so yeah i'd recommend definitely the bluetooth headphones if you can and any sort of wired thing is just going to be impractical if you're going to be moving around at all If you're going to be sitting completely still and teaching, you could do it, but otherwise, no. Yes. I mean, yeah, I always say, of course, you you just, um, whatever you have, you use to get started. But yes. I think audio can make the biggest difference because people are going to listen more to you than watch you. So it's probably yes. when you have the chance to invest in something to have better audio, you should use that chunks yeah right i agree that would probably be the first if i only could buy one thing to improve my setup it'd probably be uh some sort of audio thing like bluetooth headphones yeah okay audio is number three what's number four so how do i improve my video quality so in first is to use the best camera that you have so if you have a newer phone or tablet that has a nice camera Ideally, use that. And oftentimes, the rear-facing camera is going to be better uh, on almost all these devices because they can be bigger. So if you're going to use a rear-facing camera, then you need to have a second device where you can watch your students. So that may not be practical. But if you happen to have an iPad and an iPhone, and you could take the, you know, the one with the nicer camera and let that be your camera, And then the other one uses that as your student sort of monitor or uh, monitor for yourself and your students. So you, ideally, if you're going to use Zoom, use the gallery view so you can see everybody. 
And uh, if you if you go into zoom.us, if you're using Zoom, there's somewhere in the settings that says HD video. And you want to click on that. So it's recording HD video and, and filming HD video. Uh, and that's it's it's changes to where it is exactly. So you're going to have to dig around a little bit like settings, look for HD video, click that on. So it's off by default, as far as I know, and then use your best camera. And if I actually use uh, one of the more recent iPads front facing camera, and it's just fine. Like it's not the, the greatest camera ever, but it's definitely not bad. And you can see me just fine. So I use the front facing camera on one iPad in the gallery view so I can see myself and the students while I'm teaching. And that's really simple. I've done the more complicated with multiple devices thing. And I think it's it works just fine. As long as you have like a iPad within the last like four years and use the front facing camera or similar tablet. Uh, and I have it on a stand that's kind of like a laptop. So it looks like a laptop, but it's an iPad. And that makes that makes it easy for me to like set it up at the right angle. So that's for the video, what I recommend. Uh, that's great. Um, do you use just the iPad or do you also use like, I don't know, um, a MacBook or something with a bigger screen to see your students? Yeah, I actually don't have a laptop. I use a okay. desktop computer for everything okay. that's in a different area. So so I don't, I just see people on the iPad, which is about 10 inch screen. So it's not very big, um, but I'm also not demonstrating the whole time. I usually just demonstrate the things that are a little more tricky to follow. And then I'm watching the students the rest of the time. Uh, so I get kind of close to the screen and I can see everybody pretty well. Okay, that's great. I mean, otherwise, what you can also do, what I did when I do a webinar, is um, invite myself with a different email address as a panelist or as another student. And then um, I used my second computer to see the comments and what's going on. So, I mean, yes. that's like a little bit more complicated probably to set up. So, yeah, we're all about keeping it simple. Um, then an iPod is pro uh, iPad is probably a great solution. On an iPhone, it might be a little bit more challenging when you use that for filming, I think, to see everyone. Yes. Yeah, and the iPad or the iPhone or any phone, I think, you're only going to see four students, including yourself at a time. Mm. So, yeah, with the iPad, you can see nine. And with a computer, you could see more. So, yeah, if you're going to have bigger classes and you have a laptop or a computer you can see people on, definitely use that. And what you said in there too is about um, using webinars. And I actually use just the Zoom meetings for all my things just to keep it even simpler. So mm -hmm. you can use webinars or meetings and I find meetings are just fine. So um, I'm curious if you found any, uh, do you teach your classes on meetings or webinars? No, not for teaching yoga, just for teaching like oh. um, master classes on marketing <laughs> or website right. or stuff like that. And um yeah, there I actually prefer the webinar upgrade because you don't have to worry about things like um, muting your mm -hmm. customers, but you don't want to use it for um, for classes where you want to see your students because you don't see the participants. So right. um, yeah, so it's um, it's not what you want to use when you teach yoga. So, right. Yeah. So you probably still have to um, use the paid version because I think in the free plan you can only do 45 minute long classes right yeah. and yeah so yeah i recommend that and there was 
if you want to have your waiting room turned off, now you have to pay for that. Of the defaults uh, from the free version, it's turned on. Um, so the, the waiting room is a good feature too that keeps your room secure now. So they've added that recently where, uh, so that's a nice security about Zoom if you're using that format and you want the room to stay private, uh, which was an issue in the past, I guess, but uh, it, that's a nice thing about Zoom if you choose to use that. And I generally recommend Zoom just because kind of everybody knows what it is. And even like people who hate technology stuff, like, oh, they get what Zoom is. Uh, so it's an easy sort of uh, transition for people if they've just been doing classes. It got so popular in the last weeks. It's insane. Yes. yes. And it's not yes. really super intuitive to use, I think. So it could be really yeah. simpler. I mean... <laughs> Right. It looks a little bit technical, everything still. Um, what I would like to add is then when you have problems with Zoom, make sure that you have the latest version installed because mm -hmm. they've been doing a lot of updates because they've been, mm -hmm. they've got a lot of bad press also for, um, for safety. And mm -hmm. yes, yeah, so make sure you've installed the latest version and you have you updated. And because that could lead to issues. So if you have any problems, that's the first thing to check. Definitely. Okay, what's number five? So how do I get my whole body in the frame? It's a common question. So what I recommend is a wide angle aspherical lens. So early on in my online teaching, I was like, oh, I need a wide angle lens so I can get my whole body in the picture. So I got one and it turned me into a fishbowl. As you've probably seen that effect on cameras, uh, usually it's like a creative effect. So you don't want that when you're trying to teach and you look like you're in a fishbowl because uh, that's a spherical lens. Most wide-angle lenses are spherical. So you have to specifically get the aspherical wide-angle lens. And there's one that I recommend by Ravtop. And in the PDF download I give, there's a, a link uh, to the site called kit.co slash Jeremy Devins is me. Where you see all these things that I'm going to recommend, all, all this, this specific equipment is listed there. So if you want to see that specific lens, you can find that there. And if you want to just look on Amazon, you can find it. I think it was like 20 bucks. So you just clip it onto, I clip it onto my iPad or my phone. That's it. It just clips right on, clips right off. And then it basically brings in like 40% more of the, the screen so it picks up 44 percent more of like what's in front of the camera so now where it was just cutting off at like my, my shoulders now it gets my whole body in the picture Ooh, so people I love can that. see everything i do that's a great tip do you have examples how it looks like with the lens and without the lens in your pdf how i don't but uh, i should i'll do that because it's dramatic it's definitely different i would love to see the difference yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really cool. And it doesn't do any rounding. It just looks like a, a wider image. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay, what's number six? How do I improve my lighting? So uh, that's in, a big thing. It, yeah. Yeah. And so really, uh, I, I don't think you'll ever have a student say, you know, I liked your class, but the lighting sucks. So I don't think I'm going to go back. Right. So th that's not the biggest selling point for people or like the biggest reason they'll come to your class. But it can like lighting can make you look really weird or creepy or <laughs> make uh, big shadows in the background. It can be kind of distracting if it's off. So ideally, if you have a well lit room from sunlight and you can be ab about like five or more feet away from a wall, 
you'll be just fine. If you just have some sunlight and you're five feet away from a wall, then you're probably just like not even worrying about lighting, you'll probably be fine. But if you're in a situation where you need to be near a wall for your video, which I actually am, what I do is I don't use my sunlight because it puts a really hard shadow on my background. Uh, I actually have to close the windows and use these two softbox lights. So these are what people use for like videographers use and they create a really uh, diffused light. So it's not a really hard, sharp light, like a spotlight, but it's like a really diffused light. And then I turn those actually away from me to the wall I'm facing. Uh, so the wall that's off camera and that light bounces off the wall and it just lights up the whole room like this glow to the whole room. So now I don't have any hard shadows and I don't have any hard lights on me. I just have this glow filling up my whole uh, body in the picture. And that's what I find works really well for me, but it's gonna depend on your space. And in general, you wanna think like an equilateral triangle. So you've got uh, one light to your left, one light to your right, and they're kind of creating an equilateral triangle. But if you've got a hard shadow behind you when you do that, then you might try bouncing that light off the wall like I do. And turn, I just turn it around. So I've still got an equilateral triangle, but it's bouncing off the walls. So it's very diffused and not sharp. I love it. It's so practical. That's really great <laughs> advice. <laughs> okay, number and, seven. Uh, or do you have more to yes. say about light? I'll just say one last thing real quick is uh, some people like ring lights. Those are good just to get a bright light at you. The only reason I don't use that is because I don't like looking at the light, but you can use a ring light too. Okay, yeah. That's what I have because I do more like face-to-camera videos. Yeah, but they're annoying to look at, definitely. <laughs> so I heard that those um, box lights can get really hot. Oh, yes. They do get very hot, but it's never been an issue. I've been using them for like two or three years now. Okay. Okay, um, number so yeah, seven. Then, yeah. How do I set up my Zoom links? Or do I need a password for my Zoom? So... What I recommend is uh, you don't have to use a password, especially with the new like waiting room thing. So if anybody comes in who shouldn't be there, you'll see them and you can just not let them in. Uh, but you can definitely use a password and uh, you can actually embed the password in your link. So you can go to zoom.us and there's an option there. Again, they move things around a bit. So look for where it says like embed password into link and then and copy that link and let that be the one you share with people. And then what I recommend is making a redirect page on your site. So like I have quietmind.yoga is my website. So my Zoom page is quietmind.yoga slash Zoom. So it's very easy to remember and share. And I actually share in the PDF the exact code to redirect. So basically just make a blank web page or a new page on your website and then put in this code somewhere in the text and then put it uh, your link to your Zoom page with your embedded password. So now when people go to like blissfulbiz.com slash Zoom, it just automatically goes to your Zoom room without them having to like log into Zoom. What was the code? What was the password? It's just quietmind.yoga slash Zoom every time. Why do you use the password? If you're, the link is public anyway, then I don't think you need to have a password, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, did you ever have problems that's you know, like what you read in the media that people showed up in, in Zoom classes and did <laughs> nasty stuff? 
I did not, uh, fortunately, but I can understand why maybe like a big corporation might have that or like their stuff gets out. But yeah, I didn't have that. And especially now with the waiting room thing, I don't think that would be an issue for anybody. Yeah, now you have to admit everyone. And yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I never had any problems like that as well, but um, I never published any links publicly mm. as well. So I think right. that's how they find those opportunities <laughs> I think, right yeah. for sure mm. okay so that's zoom and what's number i think that was number seven right yes eight. so what's number yeah. eight uh how do i take payments and donations so what well, i've i've made a page that has links to zoom to um to venmo and paypal and then options for uh, monthly donations for people so that's quietmind.yoga slash donate so people can go there. And so anytime I teach a class, I say, you know, if you want to donate today, just go to quietmind.yoga slash donate and donate whatever you want. And I leave it very open-ended. That's what I've chosen to do. But then some people come very consistently. So I've made sort of subscription options where they can pay monthly rates and that will actually save them money uh, instead of paying every time. So I recommend making a page on your website. That's, you know, yourwebsite.com slash donate. And if you choose donations or if you want to do like a subscription, you do like slash, you know, classes or slash subscription or whatever you want to do. Uh, but Venmo has been the most popular, but some people do PayPal and some people do the subscription. So just giving them those links real, real clear instead of saying like, you can go to Venmo or you can go to PayPal or you can do Facebook, you know, just to keep it really, really simple. Because I think the simpler it is, the, the better it is for your students. So make a page that's like slash donate or slash pay or whatever you want to do. One place where you can send them to get those links. Uh, yeah, I think you did it really smart, especially also telling them what you suggest as a donation. So mm -hmm. you're like, otherwise they have to think about, oh my God, what should I pay? What's appropriate? And um, you suggest something so they can pay less, mm -hmm. they can pay more, but you make it easier for them. It's just more, they don't have to think about it so much. Exactly. Yeah. So I suggest $17. That's kind of a standard yoga class in US dollars. Uh, so whatever it is, you know, kind of in your region, you know, but what in, uh, where are you at again? I'm in Germany right now. Germany. That's right. Uh, I just talked to someone from Australia today. I'm sorry. Uh, so <laughs> what's the what's the kind of going right there for a class? Oh my God. I don't know. I, I spend more time in Bali going to yoga classes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But I think it's around 15 euro probably for a drop-in class, so which is pretty much okay. the same as $17, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah, similar. Um, okay, so that's payments. Oh, my God, we're getting to the end. What's number nine? How do I record my classes? So if you're doing Zoom or Facebook Live, there's an option right in there to record uh, in Zoom, like settings, record class. Uh, record session and Facebook it'll ask you if you want to save your session uh, but at zoom.us uh, if you're going to use zoom make sure it's set to record speaker active speaker and mute your students while you're teaching so you don't get your students on the video if you're going to record it and maybe like sell it or share it with your students you don't want all your students on there because you have to do all like the legal legalities of that like you'd really have to get waivers 
release forms and uh, it's just so much easier to just record you because that's what they really want to see anyway. So go make sure if you're using Zoom, you set it up so it's just recording active speaker. And then when you're teaching, mute everybody else. So it just picks up you. Yes, that's great. Do you also use um, use the recording and then edit them and put them somewhere else? What's the, the next step? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I actually have a Canon M50 right next to my iPad that's recording me. And that's recording the video at a higher quality than Zoom possibly could. So it records like full 1080p uh, video and that puts on SD card. So once I'm done with that, I take that recording, put it in my computer and edit it a little bit in Final Cut Pro. And then I upload it to my Quiet Mind membership. So when people want to uh, watch all my classes on demand, that's the membership. Uh, so it's basically just recording my class on a nice camera and then I upload it. And I'll say real quick, number 10 is uh, about recording audio. And I'm also recording my audio at the same time on a lavalier mic that I'm wearing. And that's connected to an iPod touch on this app called Ferrite, which is a recording app that I chose because it, it's very hard to accidentally turn it off. All the other recording apps, they have like uh, these sort of home screen buttons and it's very easy to accidentally turn them off while you're teaching but ferrite is the only one i found that's completely in the background so you press record put it in your pocket and it won't turn off until you turn it off so that's safe and works and so then i've got a high quality audio from my lavalier microphone and my ipod then i've got high quality video from my canon and i put those both into final cut pro and it automatically synchronizes them and I just cut off the beginning and end and then upload it to my website, which is on a site platform called Kajabi. Uh, so I know it's a lot of information, but that's how I do it. And after you know doing it several times, I can do it within like 30 minutes now really quick after I'm done teaching. 30 minutes and then I've got another class on my site for people to attend if they want to uh, watch on demand. So that's how I do the recording of the audio and video. I love that it's so smart. And yes, I'm always for repurposing content and don't just mm -hmm. like, you know, like you don't want to do a great class just once and then forget about it. You want to use that exactly. content. And yeah, you could even create snippets for social media to share on Instagram and all that. So exactly. Yeah, that's really smart. Yes. Oh my God, I love it. That is so helpful. That's really incredible. <laughs> And yeah, tell people again where they can get that list because that's going to be so helpful for everyone with all the tips. Yes, thank you. Um, it's quietmind.yoga slash blissfulbiz, just like the name of this podcast, quietmind.yoga slash blissfulbiz. You just enter your name and email and I'll send it right to you. And then I'll add you to my email list, but you can always unsubscribe anytime right away if you want. Uh, but I, I just send out things like maybe once a week or every couple of weeks of updates about my podcast and offerings and helpful tips. So quietmind.yoga slash blissfulbiz to get the free 10 tools to improve your online teaching. That's great. What I also loved on your website is your schedule for your live classes that you have like fixed days and mm -hmm. fixed topics for each class. How did you come up with that? Is it something that your students ask for or is it just like fitting with what you like to teach? Or 
Yeah, thank you for asking. I actually uh, I generally teach strength, flexibility, and balance. So I make sure I'm teaching all of those three topics in all my classes. But then I have a class each week where I focus on that. So Hatha, Yin, and Vinyasa classes. And I actually did poll my students. I have a Facebook group for my students where we connect. And I said, you know, hey, I'm thinking about adding some online classes. Uh, what do you guys want to see? What times work? And based on the poll, that's how I decided on the times and the styles. Ah, that's super smart. Yeah, I think that's really important to really listen to your audience and what they want and when they are available as well. I mean, you never can make everybody happy, but um, at least try to find the majority so they uh, can join you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I recommend as simple as possible. So all mine are at 9.30 Central Standard Time. So three classes, they're all at the same time same and same weekly time uh so it just makes it easier rather than you know i see a lot of people are on zoom now like tuesday at two and then sunday at four it's just like I, it's kind of confusing so it's like everything to be as simple as possible of like if you want to find me it's you know 9 30 a.m sunday tuesday thursday every week so just as simple as you the more you can make things simple the easier it is for people to be consistent with it Yes, because I think it's also overwhelming for a lot of yoga students right now because, yes, there's just so many teachers and everybody's um, offering live classes right now. So yeah, definitely a smart definitely. way to make it simpler. Um, so yeah. is there, as one question, is there anything yeah. you would have done differently when you were in the startup phase of your yoga online business? Yeah, definitely. The main thing is having some sort of like mentor or teacher. So I've had mentors and teachers as just a yoga student, and that was obviously very helpful. I think we all have specific teachers we really resonated with, but having a specific business teacher was huge. And I, it was expensive. My first teacher I worked with was a big investment. It was $1,500, but within a few months, I actually made 10 times that back based on applying what she taught me. So it is an investment and it's a little scary. And I definitely had my doubts when I was working with her, like, you know, is this worth it? But, you know, 10 times what I paid is definitely worth it. And the personal growth and being able to help more students and reach more people. So have a mentor. And then the second I'll say real quick is just have some sort of opt-in on your site. So uh, a, a common thing I've seen recently is people are like, you know, I had all these students at this studio and now I have no way to find them. Like I could try to stalk them on Instagram and find them, but like, how do I reach out to them and let them know I'm teaching online now? And the re the way you do that is an email list. So like, as soon as you can, just start saying like, if you want to follow me, if you want to see what I'm up to, you know, let me get your email email address and I'll send you an email every now and then with helpful tips. So um, that is huge because now like all these people who can't teach at studios, if they have an email list, they've got instant way to say like okay well i can't teach at the studio anymore but come join me on zoom on tuesday and uh they can just go right over to zoom instead of like wondering like where'd my teacher go how do i find him and vice versa yeah that's so important and thanks for actually um um, saying that because I've heard from quite a few yoga teachers that they wish they would have a way to stay in touch with their students because they've just been teaching in a studio and obviously and then they didn't have a way to get in touch with their students because only the studio has the access to all that um, yeah, email addresses. Exactly. Yeah, so you have to work on that too. I'm all for that. 
Oh my God. So this was so amazing. <laughs> thank you so much thank for your time today and for sharing your story and your expertise. Uh, this has been awesome. And yeah, it was really cool to learn more about you and your journey as a yoga teacher. So where can people go to learn more about you? Thank you. Quietmind.yoga is my website where I talk about all the things I'm up to. And yeah, definitely get the free PDF for this quietmind.yoga slash blissfulbiz. And uh, I hope you all can check out my other podcast as well, where I'm uh, talking about uh, yoga for yoga teachers and yoga teacher training podcast and quiet mind yoga, where I do the weekly practices. And I love your podcast. I love what you're doing. I've checked it out and listened to your episodes and I'm just super grateful to be here and sharing what I've learned and uh, I love what you're doing. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and I'll put all the links in the show notes. So thank you. Oh my God, that was amazing. So definitely check out um, Jeremy's resource, download it from his website. And if you want to learn more how to use Zoom to teach private yoga classes, I have a masterclass in my membership program, The Blissful Biz Hive, um, where I teach you step-by-step step how you can use Calendly and Zoom and integrate it with PayPal and your calendar to sell private yoga classes online. You can check it out and you can learn more about my membership program if you go to susannereicher.com forward slash blissful that's susannereicher.com forward slash blissful and i would love to see you in there and then i'll talk to you again next week have a great day and i'll see you soon Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannereicher.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.